Amy? Yeah, there, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Is it is your name Emith? Is, did I yes, it is Emith. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And if anybody, um, you know, if any doms want to, to speak, they're more than welcome to. Um, and LTS is also welcome to speak because he's been a guest on my podcast before and he was very respectful. Um, but I want to, Emith, I want to talk. Um, I specifically wanted to talk to you because you made a post uh, let's see, let me see if I can link it on here, guys. Give me a second. So you made a post with, um, your sub. So let me link it there. Okay, there we go. I put it there at the top. So <clears throat> this post caught a lot of attention. And I think the reason why is because a lot of us want what you literally described in that post. Um, can you please tell us like the story of how this came to be? Like, how did this happen? Yeah, um, actually, you know, it's so funny, because I didn't even going into this. First of all, let me start out by saying I wasn't looking for him. I had no intent of um, cultivating this type of relationship. It kind of just happened when I least expected it. And I know that's kind of like a generic answer, but it really did. Um, so in January of this year, we started corresponding on FetLife, which um, has kind of a mixed reputation as a, a website for the community. I've had um, decent luck on it if I only respond to messages that really speak to me. You do get a lot of time wasters on there, of course, probably more than even Twitter from my experience, believe it or not. But the few times I have corresponded with somebody on FetLife and ended up meeting up with them and having either session time or some type of dynamic, it's actually worked out well for me. Um, so that's one really uncommon factor in my story is that I never hear anybody in the FinDom community, especially having success with FetLife. And I just happen to have success with it. So Mitch contacted me on FetLife and we corresponded. Um, for a few weeks. And then we um, texted back and forth for a couple of months, I would say. Um, I, I send everyone through kind of like the same process. Um, I have a vetting process, just like everyone should. Um, and I send everyone through the same process. I have them fill out like an application. And what, what really got my attention so soon with his message specifically is I could tell he was very genuine. Um, his message, nothing, the context was nothing about himself he never spoke about like his own um own wants and needs or even his own pleasures in life it was very very forward with what he wanted to do for me so that immediately caught my attention when I told him all of the um, vetting process like the the submissive application and my tribute requirements and all of that there was no pushback he immediately did it he was super respectful super kind all of our correspondence, again, was all, it, I felt like I led every conversation and I, I never was pressured to meet him. I was never pressured to have session time with him via text. He was very accommodating. And I, even though I know now that I know yeah. him, it was very hard for him to have that kind of like self-control because I know like, you know, subs get excited when they find someone they really like. So I know he definitely had that desire to like message me a lot and have a lot of contact with me, but he didn't. He showed a lot of self-restraint and was really, really respectful. So we had, yeah. so we had like text correspondence for like three months before we actually met in person, which is like another kind of like anomaly. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to pause you there for a second and because uh, Mitch is listening right now and I'd love for, I, I, I invited him to, to speak. I, I don't know if he's ever used spaces before, but I would love for him to come up and listen to to his side as well obviously if that's okay with his superiors oh, okay yeah. with your image it's, it's, it's very fine yeah if he yeah he's still just, feel free for him to come up yeah, and if speak. He, he can speak on anything he wants to if he if he's comfortable i don't want to force anybody to speak that they don't want to but uh, mitch i know you're listening feel free to to come up and and speak uh i'd love to to hear it's, it's always good to hear the perspective of both sides um so, so, uh, okay. So tell me, so Emith, so you were, you guys were talking like via text over three months. This was after he filled out your application. 
Yes. So he immediately submitted my application. So I had an idea. <clears throat> excuse me. I have a little bit of an allergy right now. No worries. Um, I, I immediately had an idea of, you know, his interest, his background. Um, my application is public. Anyone on here can view it if they want to see an example of it. It's under my website, under serve. There's a little Google form application. Um, it's, it basically gets like all the basic information you really need to know about someone if you're pursuing a long-term dynamic. I ask about what their current lifestyle is like. I ask about what their interests are. Um, I ask about references. If they've served someone in the past, can you verify that? Can you verify you? Can you send me social media to make sure you're, you know, a real life person? Ask for birthdays. And, you know, I, I don't make any exceptions. If someone doesn't submit that information, I don't contact them. So he, again, was very forthcoming and submitted all of his information, was very genuine on his application. And that immediately caught my attention. And that kept my attention those three months when we were just texting back and forth, getting to know each other. And that, that led to us meeting. What, what did Mitch say that made it, you know, made him do this for you? Or why did he, what made him, did he say anything that made him comfortable enough to submit to you to fill out the application? Like, did he say something that, was like, okay, I, I get it now. Like, how did, you know, I, I guess I'm curious as to what made him fill out that application if he didn't speak to you beforehand? Is that correct? Like, he didn't speak to you before filling out that application. Am I right? We had a very brief exchange, like maybe two okay. or three messages of me just saying like, hey, here's my process. Can you do this to get this started? It was very, very brief, our communication before he submitted all that application. And just knowing him, all I can say, and he can definitely speak for himself if he wants to, but from knowing him now, I believe that he was so willing to submit all that information because he really wanted to have a connection with a dom that he cared about. I mean, he, he wanted this. He, he was actively seeking this out and he had experiences with online doms in the past and it didn't fulfill him in ways that he wanted to, like, you know, total full circle fulfillment. And so he started seeking out people locally and it just wow. so happened that I, I was local and I, you know, I'm one of the rare people that will put my city and state out there. I, I don't mind if people, I live in a huge city, so I don't mind if people know my location and that's really helped me meet a lot of really good people, including him. Wow. So, okay. So tell me how it developed. So at, you guys spoke for three months, you know, there, I know that, you know, in your post, you know, it's, you know, you guys stay up late and, and talk. And then at one point you even uh, move in. How did this hap go from like, you know, just texting every day to like, okay, like we're going <laughs> to live together. It, it surprisingly was a very uh, natural uh, ascension, if you, if I may say that. Um, we met, the first time we met, we met in a bar that I'm very familiar with. It's a bar I frequent, so it was somewhere that I felt safe. I always meet subs somewhere I feel safe, somewhere in public, somewhere I know even the staff. I know the bartenders there, so I knew I was going to be good. Um, so I invited him to meet me at the bar that I really enjoy, and we had a few drinks together. And when you just meet somebody and... I can't stress this enough. It's so important. If you want something like this, you have to have good chemistry with your submissive. It's not going to work if you guys do not have good natural chemistry. And that's not something that can be taught or learned or passed on. It's something that has to totally be natural. You have to find someone you're compatible with. And it, that's very, very hard especially in a, a community where people, it's kind of like a revolving door. You communicate with so many different people. It's hard to know who you have chemistry with and who you don't. And that's just something you have to kind of learn with experience. And so when I met him, um, I just, just the way he spoke to me, he was very authentic. He was very honest. He came in and like, I will never forget. He immediately came to the bar and he like, he grabbed me by the shoulder, like put his hand on my shoulder and was like, Hey, like, I'm really excited to meet you. Like, you know, I'm, you know, my name's so-and-so like, I'm so happy to be here. And he was just very genuine. I can't, I can't stress enough, like how just authentically himself he was. And I could just tell that I didn't know what he wanted out of the connection with me, but I could tell he wanted something and he wanted to invest himself in it. And that's, that was what kept me interested is that he genuinely wanted to invest himself in my life. Like, 
over and over and over again, he would express to me, like, I just want to have something where I can just be myself and, and experience all of these fantasies I've had for so long that I didn't think I was going to be able to live out. And we were able to cultivate our relationship just on a mutual understanding of what he wanted and what I was able to provide. And the natural chemistry we had between us is what made it work so well. And now I stay part-time at his house. I have a room there. We're very close. I would say we're close friends even at this point. Like we just have a really, really good connection and I owe it all to like just our natural chemistry. Wow. Wow. Um, So what, you know, besides the genuine part, um, you know, there, there's in your post when you scroll in the thread, he was sending to you um, very often, like almost every day he was sending something for, for a weekly or a petty or anything like that. Do you think that helped in like that trust that and, and was this during the three months that you were just talking that he was just co- consistently sending um, or do you guys have like a, uh, a something set where he still sends now? You know, how how did that work out there? It's actually both. Um, it's a mixture of both. When I um, when I start a dynamic with anyone, I have a weekly requirement. And that for me, that just sets boundaries and expectations. And he knew that from the beginning, like from the our first contact via text, I told him I was like, this is my requirement. As long as you meet this minimum requirement every week, I will consider us on good standing and we can continue to get to know each other. And so it started out with him just sending my um, my minimum, really. And once he started getting to know me, of course, that relationship built. And the first night we met, he bought all my drinks at the bar. I mean, he's always I don't I, I can only think of maybe three or four times in our entire relationship that I've paid for my own food with him. Um, it, it was definitely what built my trust on my end is because when he was so willing to send what I, first of all, minimum requirement. And then as we built our relationship, he was so much more willing to send more that showed me that he was genuine in his interest. I mean, if he would, you could even scroll in there if he was just thinking about me or if he saw something that reminded him of me, or even if he was just being too needy and annoying, he would send me something to make me feel better and compensate me. And I can only say that he did that because I communicated those expectations from day one. I said, this is who I am. This is what I expect. And this is the relationship that I expect to build. And he was willing to follow those instructions, which is very uncommon, you know? That is, yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, What about the outside world of this? Like, do you, did you, you know, I don't want to get too much into family, but like, like, so do you, what about when you date someone outside of this? Like, ha- have you thought about those things? Or like, you know, um, you you staying with him part time, does anyone else kind of wonder like that it's in your family or friends? It's like, well, where does Emeth go um, that she's not home or anything like that? Like, like, I mean, it it you really dove into that lifestyle. And I'm just so curious how the outside world is is reacting to it or how you're handling the outside world um from this i'm very fortunate my my situation um i can only say that i built 100 myself um i wanted to have a life where i could live free and be myself um i actually have a boyfriend that i've been with for 12 years since high school he's my high school sweetheart so he's, he's watched me evolve and grow. Um, I'm approaching 30 and we met when I was 15. So half my life, he's either dated me or been friends with me or known who I am. And he's watched me grow and evolve throughout all this time. And we have a, a, an incredible relationship. I can't stress enough how incredible my boyfriend is. He, he knows everything. I don't have any secrets. Um, Mitch comes over and cleans my house and has a, a friendly relationship with my boyfriend. They're friends. Um, they, you know, have a very normal relationship. I can't stress that enough. It's nothing. My boyfriend is not involved in the lifestyle at all. He's very vanilla, as we say. Um, and he's very accepting of everything. So he's never, never told me I couldn't do something or he's never been rude about anything. I'm, like I said, very fortunate that I'm in a a very great relationship that I can just be myself. Um, my friends know what I do. I'm very open about what I do. I talk about it on, I have a Facebook account with like just my friends on it and we talk about it and I share my life. Cause again, this is a life I've 
built for myself from the ground up. This is something I wanted for a long time. And I've been in the, the kink community itself for seven years, but I've only been a full-time Fendom for a year, a year and some odd months. So I just really, really wanted this. So I, I had to align everything in my real life to allow me to have this. And that started with telling my boyfriend what I wanted to do, telling him my intentions. Um, I don't share with my family what I do. I, they think I work for like a, a bank online, you know, just try to keep it just safe with them. They don't need to know all the details, but my friends know, my boyfriend knows. Um, yeah. It's, it's very open. I'm very, very fortunate that I don't have to have any secrets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want you to like walk me through like a, a typical day with Mitch. Does, you know, like what does like a typical day look like for the two of you? Well, during the week, he has scheduled days where he comes over um, and cleans my house. So three times a week. Over and clean my clean my house. It's said that he's supposed to. It, it he, there's set dates and times every week that he has to come over and clean your house. Yeah, he has like a set okay. schedule. Yeah. And when he comes over and cleans your house, do you uh, acknowledge him? Is there something that you do for him after he's finished cleaning the house? How does that work? So it's very very casual. Um, our relationship is very. Uh, driven on like what I want always and you know it's not always it's not always uh, kink driven the misconception about I think lifestyle submission is that it's not constantly um, a dungeon-like exchange there's many days where he just comes over and I you know I say hi to him we talk like friends Um, he'll kiss my shoes sometimes if I require him to that's really as deep as that goes and then he cleans my house we have a friendly conversation we talk about you know what we're doing for the day or the week or whatever Um, and then where it comes back for him is usually on the weekends because that's when I stay with him so over the weekend that's usually when he knows that he's allowed rewards or dom time or just personal time that he wants so he can feel rewarded for what he did during the week but He's also the type that just enjoys domestic servitude. He doesn't feel like he has to be rewarded because he enjoys what he's doing so much that that's the reward in itself. He's just naturally so submissive to me that just being in my home and having my presence there and him doing stuff for me is enough to keep him in a subspace where he continues to want to do that more. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) I just want to clap. Clapping emoji right now. Um, if anybody wants to to uh, come up and speak and ask any questions for Emith or, or want to discuss it or anything like that, um, you're more than welcome to. Uh, um, Emith, how do you see the future of this happening? Do you see this happening like forever? Like, is it like, like, do you want this forever? Um, forever is a long time. I never yeah. want to put forever on anything. And honestly, you can't, you can't expect someone to serve you forever. It's just unrealistic. You know, he, he's, he's 25. He may want to have a family and stuff in a few years. I can't right. provide a family life for him. So it's really just, we're doing this until we don't want to do it anymore. And I think that's another way that's made it successful is if you start expecting someone to be with you forever and putting all these very serious expectations on a relationship that's very unconventional, it, it stresses it in ways that it's just not necessary. I'm happy for him to be around as long as he wants to be around. And I'm sure he can say the same for me. And we're just going to ride it out until we don't want to anymore. And right now we feel like this might go on for three to five years. That's kind of like our comfortable, you know, guesstimate, if you will. Wow. 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 Uh, tell me about the weekend. So that that is like, you know, where he gets rewards and what what does that look like? What is uh what kinks are you both into that you do together that, you know, he gets rewarded for and that you also take pleasure out of if you're comfortable talking about this, of course. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's a few things I don't mind talking about. I don't want to go into too much detail. Um just sure. out of respect for him, but I will sure. talk about some things. Um, he has a insane foot fetish and I love um, foot worship. I always have. So that's like really what we focus on a lot. And it, it can be as extreme as um, him being forced to orgasm with my feet in his mouth, or it can be as simple as me going to bed in my bedroom and he's sitting in the floor by my bed, rubbing my feet until I'm almost asleep. 
it, it can be a, a very large range. And that's for me, what I enjoy about our relationship in that regard is because on the weekends, when I go over there, I never feel expected to be one way or another. I don't have to put on um, a latex outfit and heels to have some kind of um, session time with him. I'm sure he would love that, but I don't feel expected or put in a box that I have to be that way. I'll be in my pajamas and I'll just be on top of him forcing my feet in his mouth and he's just loving it. You know what I mean? It can be very, very simple. It's the intent around our relationship, I think, is what makes it so amazing, is that he knows that I'm in control no matter what I'm wearing, what I'm doing, what I'm asking him to do. And that's what I love about it on the weekends. Wow, that's amazing. I, I, I'm still processing all this. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think it's very, it's amazing because, you know, a lot of us want that in maybe not exactly what you have, right? Like, I think, you know, maybe not to the extent of like moving in uh, and and such, but a lot of us, both doms and subs, are looking for that kind of relationship um, where there's trust and gen- there's, you're being genuine with one another. Um, do you have any like suggestions or tips or anything like that for people that are looking for that? Yeah, um, there's just a few things that I can suggest anyone, especially doms. Um, There was a book that I read, and it's called Pro Dom. And I'm trying to remember the lady's name. Let me grab it off my bookshelf really quick. And I can actually tell you this book, her, her methods of vetting and how you just handle yourself emotionally helped me so much. And I credit her book a lot to where my dynamics go now. Her name is Alita Kai. Um, She's a beautiful Asian woman. The book is bright red with a picture of her on the front. It's called Pro Dom. You can buy it on Amazon. It was very affordable, like 12, 14 bucks maybe. It's a paperback book, not super long. Um, That's where I started. And first of all, read a book and get a vetting process. That's like my first suggestion. A good vetting process will save you so much time. Set up a little Google form. Um, get people's basic information, figure out what your core kinks are, have like a checklist on there. So everything you're interested in is on there. And so they can choose what they're interested in compared to what you're interested in. You really have to vet people well. I think a lot of people just get focused, especially in the FinDom community, they, they get focused on the quick money or the quick fun or the quick gains you may get from a new sub. But there's no longevity a lot of the time in this community. And it's because no one vets anyone. You don't know who you're speaking with. You don't know their situation. You don't know what their ability to pay you is going to be a lot of the time. Um, So vetting was really, really important to me. And I owe a lot of my success, especially with Mitch, to vetting. After that, um, consistency. Consistency and time. You want to give enough time to your subs so they feel like they're investing in your relationship. You can't just take money from people and ignore them until they pay you again. If you're wanting longevity, you really, really have to want to get to know someone. And then the third thing I could really, really, really suggest is make sure that you make yourself available. And that doesn't have to necessarily mean um, vulnerable um, available, but make yourself available as a person. Because on the other side of that screen or that phone or that computer or wherever you're talking to someone at, there's a human being, that's a human being sitting there. And if you're not making yourself available as a person, there's not going to be any real um, human connection. You're both seeking out the human experience in a very, very unique way. And if you don't have that like primal human connection of just acknowledging you're both two people, it's very, very hard to care about the other person. I love that, Emeth. Yes, I love that. You know, one of um, the subs that's been been a he's not my sub, but one of the subs that's been a sub in the community for a long time. Um, he one of the things that he doesn't like so much about online uh, servitude is that uh, like some doms won't make time. Um, they like it's it's their they, their account can disappear or something comes up and it's very easy for them to just turn their phone off or you know and then they just are kind of gone uh, they're, they're because you never see them in person so he was like telling me that he 
went, was looking for more of in-person servitude over online because he felt that online had the limit of like, well, you know, she's not as available um, if I just do strictly online. And I thought that was really interesting um, with what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely what I've experienced too. Um, Something I've had said to me from subs that I have just served online is, you know, thank you so much for just checking on me and just talking to me about my day. A lot of doms don't even do that. They don't care about me. And it's like, it's, it's so sad that people have that perception and this community kind of has that behavior and it's in it's shocking that it's almost normal you know a lot of doms will have the attitude of you know I don't work for you you know I don't have to answer to you blah 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 blah. and that's that's so true don't get me wrong but when you're again wanting longevity you have to make yourself available because how are you going to have longevity with someone if you're never available to invest time in that relationship absolutely yep Absolutely. Um, I want to welcome uh, Goddess Megan and, and Anna Bella Rose. Uh, if you guys would like to say something, please feel free to. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts as well. I don't have any questions per se, but I just wanted to say that all this information is really helpful. And thank you for joining us today. You're so welcome. I'm happy that I can share my story with anyone and it helps anyone. Hey, yeah, same thing. I think, honestly, such good information. It's really interesting to listen to. Um, I guess I do have two questions. First one is, so has Mitch ever gotten jealous of, you know, other subs or felt like you were giving too much time to one? I'm kind of curious about that. I wouldn't say that he gets jealous, but he is aware that he's not the only person that I interact with. Um, he, he, he's my favorite. I will, I have no problem saying that he (laughs) likes being my favorite. So he works very hard to stay my favorite. But I think that if someone else came into the, the life that we have, and I liked him a little bit more than Mitch, I think he would get jealous, but I don't think it would be a toxic thing. I think it would just motivate him to work harder. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, second, when you were talking about, you know, reading the book and learning how to vet, because it's really important for long-term, How do you feel? I mean, I know you have to talk to them, you know, build a connection. But what about those subs that you feel like aren't sending enough for how much effort you're putting in, you know? So I try to look for like red flags and green flags. And again, it's kind of some generic um, advice, but it can really be helpful if in those situations you really look at what they're saying. Are they focused um, on their own pleasure, like their coming schedule or what kind of content you provide? Or are they focused on what you do as a, as a dom? Like, what is your style? What did you enjoy? You know, how long have you been doing this? Those are some questions that he asked me in the early days of our relationship that I felt like were, were huge green flags. Um, for when you talk about wanting your time validated by tributes, that can be really, really um, sticky territory. Because a lot of the guys will say, oh, well, I sent your tribute. I feel like I should have a conversation with you. And this isn't a good enough conversation. To me, that's a red flag that that person's not compatible to me. Um, I I look for, again, green flags. If I feel like I need to get, um, if I need another tribute for the type of conversation we're having, like if it's very kink heavy or something along those lines, and I will just, I will just say very respectfully, I'll say, hey, I, you know, I'm feeling we're getting into dynamic or kink territory that's kind of heavy. For these conversations, I just require this additional tribute. And again, in that moment, if they push back or if they're rude about it, that's a red flag. And they, I say, have a good day. And I just move on. If they send it and they're, they're respectful, that's a green flag for me to keep talking to that person. And again, Mitch kept sending every single time I asked him to compensate me more. Mm, that's good. So I guess you would do the same if maybe it's not king heavy but you're like okay this has been a while like I've been putting a lot of effort you know like really engaging I feel like you should send like another you know whatever a week yeah I would just again you just gotta be kind of kind about it you don't want you don't want to um you don't want to mix your dom kind of persona and attitude with how you're trying to build a dynamic. So again, Mm -hmm. I I would just be like, look, Hey, we've been talking for a while and I really, really like you. I would really appreciate if you sent me an additional tribute so I can continue speaking with you. 
true i mean it's your time it's worth it yeah exactly wow thank you so much uh thank you anna for that um a question as well, or those questions as well. Um, Emith, uh, so tell me again, how long have you been doing the kink in the kink world for? And then you said you were doing FinDom for one year. And then before that, you were just focused on kink for how long? Seven years. So Seven I years. Yeah, wow. I started out on FetLife um, just as an observer, just someone who was really curious about just what was out there. I've always been really interested in just psychology and human behavior as a whole. Um, so I had made an account on there, um, just reading, just reading blog posts and looking at photos and just being a curious onlooker, if I can say that. But then I started, you know, self-discovery is a journey for sure. And the more I read, the more I started to align with a dominant woman. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. So I actually started again, meeting up with, um, subs on FetLife uh for free i was not doing financial dominatrix stuff at all i would meet up with guys for free and i would just do free sessions with these guys and just try to figure out what i liked and what i didn't like and i did that for seven years on and off until i really discovered fendom and like what i could really do with it and i really enjoyed it wow that's fascinating um so why huh why didn't you or what stopped you from getting into FinDom immediately, like right off the bat? Because I started out on FetLife, um, there's kind of this divide between the people who socialize on FetLife and then like the kink world on Twitter and like other places on the internet. Um, On FetLife, FinDom is not talked about. It's kind of viewed as like a fake fetish they, they kind of look down on it. Um, people talk about it being a scam. It's just, there's a lot of negative connotation around FinDom on FetLife. So I wasn't even really exposed to FinDom um, in the early days of my exploration because it's not, like I said, it's not really spoke about on there. And if it is, it's very negatively. I was actually exposed to FinDom um, probably... I would say three to four years ago, someone on FetLife contacted me to do a ball busting session for $250. And so I met this random guy, again, did not vet him. I don't suggest doing this, but I met him and I kicked him in the balls for $250. And I just, I I couldn't believe that I got paid $250 to do something I thought was really fun. And it just took off from there. I started researching it and reading it and I just did a lot of research before I really got invested, but that's how like I really, really got hooked on it. Wow, fascinating, fascinating because you, you, you know, joined Twitter uh, in October of 2020, so it's not like you haven't been on 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 Twitter for a while, but your focus was always more on real life sessions or or how you know. Did these real life sessions come from FetLife? Do you feel like the most of the people that you have had session with with has been through FetLife? In the early days, yeah. In 2020, I made a Twitter just to kind of like park the name because I really I didn't know how to use Twitter. I had no idea what Twitter was even about. I had never used it before. It was never one of those social platforms I got on, so I just parked the name. Um, in 2020 and I actually started an OnlyFans I didn't even start out doing dominatrix stuff I was doing like artistic uh like not even nude content but like lewd content on OnlyFans like I started out doing something totally different um and then on my OnlyFans page I started getting fin subs and I had no idea I still to this day don't know how I attracted these people but it just started snowballing into guys just paying me tips and paying me money just to like text them on OnlyFans. And then I started hearing like these FinDom terms and it led me to Google. And so all through 2020 was me just kind of figuring out what was happening. And then the summer of 2021, so last summer, is when I officially got on Twitter, got into the FinDom community, made a verification post and started meeting people. And I used FetLife at the same time. And I would say I got 50-50 sessions once I started using Twitter. It was about even if I invested equal time in both platforms. But once I started using Twitter, it really started taking off. And I started getting contacted for more cash meets, um, just like quick little meetups rather than full sessions once I started using Twitter. 
Wow, fascinating. That's that's really fascinating. I how do you how can a dom um tell a difference between somebody that you know has a kink and and wants to get paid for that kink? I mean, wants to pay you for that kink or or you know, but versus like an a fin sub. Like how would you how would you describe the difference between the two? And also is Mitch a, a fin sub? Would you consider Mitch to be a fin sub? Um, I would say telling the difference between someone who is just a kinkster, as they say, um, and actually a fin sub. A fin sub a type of person is going to be very willing to give you what you want immediately. Um, the few genuine fin subs I've had have been very uh, anonymous, I will say, um, online only. But they're very willing to send what they want. But they also are very quick to disappear when they want to. So I feel like that um, type of fin sub is very common. And that's what I've experienced versus um, someone who just wants to be paid for femdom, F-E-M-dom. I get a lot of inquiries of people using femdom, F-I-N, as a bridge to femdom. And that can be a whole other type of conversation where they just, they want female domination, but they can't access it unless they pay for it. So they get into Fendom um, as a way to have access to it, which is a little bit of Mitch's story. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he is a fin sub by nature, but I say to me, he's a fin sub for me because he has such a, a strong attraction to me. It's part of our dynamic, but if it, if it was just financial, I don't think he would be interested in it. Yeah, I have you had other um, subs that were just interested in just the financial? Has that ever happened to you? I have. Um, I they've never been. Well, I'll, I'll take that back. I did have uh, this past uh, spring. I had a slave for a brief amount of time for about three or four months, and I did meet him in person um, two different times, and he was focused. Oh, sorry. No, we didn't meet uh, actually about a handful of times now that I'm thinking about it. But he was strictly focused on the financial aspect. He had a credit card that had a $25,000 limit. And the goal of our relationship was strictly just to max that card out. So he would send large tributes. He would take me shopping at a high-end mall here where I live. And he bought me a pair of red bottoms. Um, anything that I wanted that was really nice, he had no problem funding. But once that credit card was maxed out, again, he just disappeared like they usually do. But that relationship was strictly financial. Wow. How do you see that? that that's what's really interesting to me. So when he was taking you shopping to max out his card, what did it like? How did that work? Like, did he was he walking behind you? Did you have the card in his hand? Were you doing some sort of domination while you were taking, he was taking you shopping or you were going shopping? What, what was he getting off of on there exactly? Like what was the um, high for him? So he was an older man. He was in his sixties. His wife was ill or something like that. I try really hard not to get too involved in, you know, family life of subs, but his wife was ill. There was something going on and she knew that he was, um seeing doms and so there was some transparency there um but i i from what i gathered uh he really just wanted to feel used and uh useful to a young dominant woman so we would go shopping um and it would just be very apparent that there was some kind of relationship between us that was not uh familiar um i didn't hold the card or anything i would just go in and i would have him i would assign him a seat somewhere he would sit down somewhere in the store and I would just go around and get everything I wanted, whatever it was. I never, I would, I would consciously not look at price tags or anything because he loved when I just would just ignore all of the, the cost of things. He just loved feeling totally um, out of control of what was happening in that situation. So I would assign him a seat. Um, he was in chastity for me. I had his key. Um, he would sit there, watch me shop. And then once I was done, I would just kind of beck it, you know, you know, tell him to come here with my hand. He would walk up to the counter and pay the lady. And the, the woman or man at the cash register would always have some kind of visual reaction, like confusion or interest. 
And he really loved seeing other people just kind of like process what was going on, you know, like they never really understood what was happening and I, we never spoke about it, but he really enjoyed just watching the world react to what I was doing, which was so fun. And I think that's what financial relationships really um, rely on sometimes is they want to see the reaction or the consequence of being totally out of control in those moments. Wow, that's interesting, huh? It sounds a little bit like public humiliation, but not necessarily, maybe not necessarily because you're not necessarily humiliating him. He might just be getting the thrill of being watched uh, in public. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a what if they know type deal. And we would walk away and he would be like, I think, I think that lady knew that I'm your pay pig. I think she knows that I'm a pig. Like he was very into like that. And, you know, we, we wouldn't do anything on public that would involve others because I'm, I'm I don't don't like, you know, pulling other people into kink play that they're not consenting to. So I've tried really hard not to do anything very graphic in public, but I do like writing that little subtle line of subtle dominance in public. And he really enjoyed that. He really enjoyed walking away from the store and like gossiping with me, like, do you think she knows like what I do? Do you think she knows that I'm in chastity and I sit in that chair and just wait for you to spend my money? Like he was very into that. It was really, really funny. It was a lot of fun, really. How did you, okay, how did this, because I think a lot of us, <laughs> I don't think any woman would protest to, to that scenario. Um, how did he find you or how did he approach you? How do you, how do you, did you, how do we recognize such a man exists? He uh, contacted me on Twitter. And again, it was just, uh, I give credit to the vetting process. I put people through. I told him what I wanted. Um, at the beginning, at the beginning of our conversations, I remember that he wanted um, like session time And at that time, with the dynamic that we were developing, I wasn't interested in giving him that because he wanted to be in chastity. He wanted to be denied, deprived, used, and just, you know, all of those things. And I didn't feel like I should have rewarded him with any type of session time, given the dynamic we were developing. So we did have a little bit of a disagreement, um, but we did come to terms and he did send me like $500 once we came to terms. So yeah, that's a good sign with those kind of relationships. Usually when you have a disagreement or need some type of validation of where the relationship is going that type of man will be very willing to show it financially i mean he sent me my first thousand dollars send as well at like three o'clock in the morning i mean these guys when they want to be a financial submissive they are very willing to show it and they do not make you work very hard for it so if someone is trying to get all of your attention like talk every single day every single moment of the day that is a red flag if they're not sending to equal out that time given, they're not really a financial submissive. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I want to talk really quick about your, about your vetting process, because it seems like that filter or is what really is needed um, in order to kind of catch something, you know, the, the net, um, is your vetting process always like a, a an application that like the Google Doc application is that so let's say you know um, you know just walk me through it a little bit somebody messages you they've tributed you um, and then you kind of how do you vet them from there or did they or did they message you with the application walk me through that vetting process a little bit. So usually the way it goes is someone will contact me and they're interested in serving. And so I will send them my application and I'll say, here's the application, fill this out. At the bottom of my application, it has an acknowledgement requirement and it says you must send a $50 tribute to have this application acknowledged. And that is my first step in seeing if anyone is even worth my time is if they check accept on that acknowledgement form and they send the $50. And I'm telling you, if they do not do that, it is not worth your time. I've learned that the hard way. And so that's my first roadblock. And you would not believe how many people that weeds out. And I do not make exceptions. And that's another thing I can't stress enough is you're going to want to contact these people. You're going to want to see if you can 
make any money from it, first of all. Second of all, make a good connection from it or, you know, or it's not going to work out. People want to reach out to people despite them not sending them any money on applications. And I can't stress enough. Do not bend your own rules. If you require someone to tribute on your application before you contact them, do not contact them unless they send you something. That has weeded out so many people. Now, let's say they contact me, they send the application, they send the tribute. Perfect. So then I find their social media that I can contact them on. I review the social media. If it's blank or if it's somehow sketchy, I will contact them and maybe fill things out. You, again, it has to go back to just looking for red flags and green flags. You just have to look at the type of person that they present themselves online. So let's say that I verify them and everything goes well. Um, and we're talking back and forth. Something I look for in conversation, um, an immediate red flag to me is if the submissive is very focused about their own orgasms. I know that sounds like a weird thing to notice, perhaps, but let me tell you, if a submissive is constantly talking about their own pleasure, their own orgasms, their own requirements, their own life, that is a sign that they are a male-centered fantasy submissive, and they are going to expect you to cater to what they want. In the book I suggested, she goes into detail about that. That's called Topping from the Bottom or Having a Service Top. It's when a submissive wants to pay you to do the things to them that they tell you to do. For me personally, those dynamics are not fulfilling at all. I do not like those dynamics. I am not a service top. I do not enjoy when subs top me from the bottom. So that is a red flag. I will stop all conversation if a submissive continues to talk about what they want. A green flag in that same hand is if a submissive talks about what they can do for you, what they have to offer. For example, Mitch was very forthcoming with how much money he made every year, what his expenses were, what his house value was. I know all of I knew all those things very early on. What kind of job he had, what his position was at work. He was very forthcoming with all those details. Um, when I asked for him, especially, so that is a green flag. You want to hear about what they have to offer you. You don't want to hear about what they're expecting from you really early on. If a sub is trying to find out what you can give to them, they're expecting you to just be a one and done pleasure, fun, fun time. And you don't want that. So I can't stress that enough. In conversation, look for those two cues. Are they talking about themselves in a sexual manner or in a pleasuring manner? Or are they talking about what they can do for you? Oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you so much, Emeth. I, I, yes, applause. <laughs> Um, you know, and some of these guys don't know that they're doing that. They, they don't, some of these guys don't do that on purpose. I just want to say that. Like, I think it's like the programming, you know, from the outside world, or they just subconsciously are doing it. Absolutely. You know, it's not that they're like saying like, hey, like, give me what I want because I deserve it, you know, like, in, on, you know, consciously. Like, I think these guys maybe just don't know what to say. Um, how can we, like, redirect it or kind of show them? Because I think a lot of doms go into, well, what about me? Like, hello, like, you know, uh, why are you talking about yourself? What about my needs? And then there's, like, a rupture there. Now there's not moving forward because now the sub is, has his feelings hurt. The dom is mad. How can we avoid that scenario or fix that scenario or I don't know. <laughs> and honestly, you know, this might not be the answer you want to hear, but sometimes there's no fixing that situation. Sometimes that person is not a good fit for you. Um, it, I, and sometimes you, and yes, inexperience definitely contributes to some male submissive acting that way, but the percentage is very small. You have to look at what a male submissive is presented with on the internet. The internet is so vast. A lot of these submissive men have had these feelings since they were a teenager. They've watched porn. They've been exposed to all these different scenarios of dominant women. Um, it's really hard for me to believe in those situations that men aren't aware that they're constantly talking about themselves. When they've been shown um, all these different avenues of what that already looks like. Now, we could flip that on its head and say, well, it is a very male-centered fantasy. And kink is a very male-centered fantasy. 
Um, but where I redirect that is I tell people very early on, look, I don't cater to male centered dynamics. My dynamics are not going to revolve around you. Um, it's very much what I want, my schedule, what I need. And, and you have to find um, a gentle way of communicating that because you don't want to rub someone the wrong way, but you really have to cut your losses in those conversations. Cause a lot of the time, Men do know what they're saying. They're trying to take advantage of you because they've talked to so many doms and there's such a plethora of us available. They really just try to see what they can get from a lot of people. And I know that's like a kind of a shitty way to look at it, but it's, it, I've, se- I've seen submissive inboxes. I know how that crap goes on. And you would be shocked and appalled what some of these dudes do. They like to play stupid. And that's just another way that you have to remain in control from the very beginning is if they start talking about like, well, here's what I want. Here's what I really enjoy. You have to put a very quick stop to that and say, hold on, let's, let's compare what we both enjoy and see if there's compatibility there. Start with your kinks. If the kinks are compatible, then you can move on to the next stage. Do we have good chemistry? You really have to shut those conversations down early on, or that rupture will happen. And you're just going to have to drop the relationship in general, because that some of that stuff just can't be fixed. It's not worth even rehashing. Wow, fantastic! Yes, I I I love that. Thank you so much. I I want to uh, um, ask you about you know when you said like the kinks, like comparing the kinks. Um, for someone new to this lifestyle, uh, you know, still learning about their own kinks, both sub and dom, how would they figure out what kinks they like and don't like? Um, you know, maybe before coming into this world or, or how would you explore figuring out what it is that you like and don't like? So there is a workbook that I have that I love. I actually made Mitch buy this exact same workbook when we met. It's called the Yes, No, Maybe workbook. And it's by Princess Collie, I believe her name is. I think she's, a, the, I think she's established the Kink Academy. Um, it's a physical workbook you can buy on Amazon. And it's literally just like an encyclopedia of kinks. And I started with a workbook in FetLife. I would go through, seriously, I would go through and just search things that visually caught my attention. I start, I'm a very visual person. So I started with like, latex is very interesting. So let me like look into latex. And that would lead me to um, like gimp suits. And I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of interested in gimp suits. That's a latex bodysuit that a whole man is submerged in. You know, I'm very interested in that. I just started with a workbook on the internet. And I know that's kind of, again, some generic advice, but you have to invest in yourself if this is something you're really wanting to fully flesh out. And it does take time to figure out what you really enjoy. Like I said, I'm seven years into really this self-discovery uh, journey, and I still don't know all the kinks I'm into. I find stuff I enjoy all the time. Wow, that's amazing. What What's a workbook you, you got to suggest it to us, you, you know, or link it afterwards. I'd love to know what workbook that is, um, because it's, it does sound really interesting. And there, yeah, there are kinks out there that you don't even know exist that you like until you figure it out it exists or you know you know what I mean like I think for me personally I never realized how much I enjoy um the public you know thrill I I I don't always want to use humiliation like the public thrill as well of of doing something in front of everybody or or you know or where people could possibly find out um I, I didn't even know that was a kink uh, to me, it was just like normal. It was just like, whatever, like, I don't know. It's cool. It's fun. And then until somebody, you know, kind of started pointing it out, like, no, no, there are people that will pay for that. Um, and so I, I, it would be so cool to, to know about this, you know, workbook or just a way to figure out like, wow, like I liked doing this and I didn't even know that was a kink that, that I could, you know, put out in the world and show the world that, hey, I like this. Does anybody else like it too? Um, so I really, I really appreciate that. And, uh, and welcome to all the listeners as well. I'd love to um, welcome anybody who, who has any questions or wants to discuss or um, I'm, I'm super excited to have Emith here because she, man, I mean, you know so much, Emith. I, I'm so um, happy that you came on here and, and shared all this knowledge um, that you have right now how did you 
with your partner, with your boyfriend, I mean, I know you've been together since high school. Um, do you have any like suggestions as to like the doms who have a partner, you know, how to like bring this up to them or if to bring this up to them or how to, how to go about that dynamic? For me, um, it was, it was something that I, I didn't feel right exploring these desires I had without telling him. And that came about when I reached a point to where I was on FetLife and I had been reading and observing as just an observer. It got to a point to where I had um, co- been contacted by a submissive man in my city and he was just interested in getting together. And, and I, now I understand that he wanted to do a session with me. But, you know, at that time, I didn't really understand that. But I wanted to meet him. I wanted to try this stuff out. He was aware that I was new and I was very forthcoming about everything. And he was cool with me just coming over and like having this little bit of session time with him and figuring things out. And I didn't feel like I could do that um, and have my heart in it and be focused on it if my boyfriend didn't know. Um, So I literally just sat down on my bed with him one night and was like, look, I have something to tell you. And I just started crying. Like I was just so overwhelmed with emotion, but I just sobbed through it and just told him like, look, I think that I have this like sexual interest in dominating men and I want to explore it. And it was really hard for me to like tell someone else that like for the very first time. Um, But I'm really fortunate that he reacted like super positively. He was like, Oh, babe, like, that's fine. Like, why are you upset? Like, it's totally cool. You know, he was so supportive and nice about it. Thank God. But like, I just for me personally, I felt like I couldn't be invested in it fully unless he knew because it's it's it can be, you know, sex work can be very unsafe. You want to have a safety net, you want your loved ones to know where you are, at least one of your loved ones, you know, I understand you don't want everyone to know. But I just couldn't do those type of things without the person I love the most knowing about it. So I just, I can only suggest to other people that maybe their partner doesn't know, really try to figure out a good way to be honest about it and gentle. Um, You don't want to say, well, I'm going to do this and it doesn't matter what you think. You know, you really have to be open to your partner even being not okay with it or disapproving of it because it is kind of a shocker at first. But I believe through consistent communication and you know, if there's really a, a good relationship there, your partner will more than likely hear you out in the future if you continue just to gently bring it up and just try to encourage them that you're not doing anything that's going to cause harm to your relationship. You're just trying to explore yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people that are in the vanilla world think that being a dom um, is always like some sexual, like vulgar, pornographic experience. And it's not. Sometimes it's just some dude licking your feet in the park. You know what I mean? Like it can be so <laughs> so casual. And I, I think that's what you have to remind people is that it's it, sometimes it can be very, very normal. It doesn't always have to be some really scary, sketchy, dark, gross thing that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. That's that's great advice. Uh, I want to talk. Uh, I, I want to go back really quick to the cash meets. Um, how does that, you know, go down exactly for you? Do you? I mean, I know that some some women normally like take a deposit beforehand, and then they meet up with the person. And so I'm I'm curious as to can you like walk me through what a cash meet looks like for you? Usually, um, I don't take many of them now, uh, like I did before, because of how hard it is to vet people for cash meets. Um, But previously, when I would take a few of them here and there, I really would try to communicate with people through DMs, um, at at least for a few days before I considered a cash meet. I really feel like the act of a cash meet itself can be very unsafe. Um, people aren't always willing to verify their ID or anything like that. So I just really, I can't stress enough how careful people need to be with cash mates. Again, that's one of the reasons why I don't take many of them anymore because it can be so unsafe. Um, but like I said previously, when I would take a few, I would speak to subs for a few days, ask, ask them, um, why they want to cash mate uh, compared to a session. Uh, are they visiting? Are they a tourist? Do they live here? Um, what their budget is, and what do they expect out of a cash meet. Cash meets can get you in a little bit of hot water because of the different um, interpretations of what a cash meet is. Um, I've had mentors in my life tell me that cash meets are specifically only supposed to be a quick five to ten minute exchange where you're picking up cash from a submissive and that's it. 
Um, but if you go online and you go on Twitter, a lot of doms will treat cash meets as mini sessions and they will spend anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes with somebody in a park, either doing ball busting or public humiliation or some type of session. Um, and I, I just really disagree with that. I just really think that there are a lot of things that could go wrong in those scenarios. So that's why I personally choose not to participate in them. Um, but I, there are a few subs that I have that are tourists to the town I lived in that I see for cash meets only. And it's because I've built a good relationship with them via text. Um, they won't verify their information for me a lot of the time. So I am very careful about who I communicate with in that regard. But um, I do try to ask them the same questions I would ask anybody. I just can't stress enough how important it is to vet these people. If they're not willing to tell you why they're here or if they're even visiting at all, they are not safe to be meeting up with cash meets at all. Um, my structure of a cash meet is if I know that they're into feet worship, for example, I will have the submissive pull up, give me the money, and I'll have them kneel beside my car, and I'll have them take my shoes off and worship my feet while I count the money they've brought me. And that usually takes about five to ten minutes, and then I leave, um, trying to minimize any risk or harm that could happen. Um, I, like I said, cash meets are, are so broadly interpreted in this community right now. You can really do whatever you want with a cash meet as long as it's within your, you know, your your ability and your safety, um, as long as your safety is, is in, in your mind and, you know, thought about, but again, I really, really don't take many of them because they can be so dangerous right now. Sorry. I actually, whoops there. Sorry. I accidentally hit the, hit the mute button there at the bottom. <laughs> no, you're fine. I understand. But thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Emit. I mean, what an amazing, um, information that you've given all of us here. I think this is fantastic. Um, I think this is a, a, a good place to, to, put a, to, to put a pause. We've been talking for about an hour. <laughs> um, so yeah, so thank you so much. I, I do want to open up the, the room for anybody who has any, any questions or um, wants to discuss anything more, anything like that. Um, but I so appreciate you coming on here truly I think is just fascinating um, I think the biggest takeaway was the you know what you were saying about the vetting process um, and just being able to filter that because I for example um, I know Instagram is not you know friendly to sex workers um, but like what I like about Instagram is that it has a feature where you can ask questions like you you can list out frequently asked questions and so when somebody dms you like a complete stranger dms you there's the first thing they see is a list of questions that they can just tap a question and the answer will automatically come up and for me that is a way of filtering like that is a way of vetting to me on Instagram, at least Twitter doesn't have that feature. Um, but, but, and, and it's helped so much. And I think that is what you're alluding to or what you're kind of saying is just kind of like, kind of put um, uh, some, like be kind of two steps ahead of them. Like, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, and not to, not to challenge what you, what you're saying about Instagram. Yeah. Th that feature is awesome, but you actually can do that stuff on Twitter it's a little bit more difficult, um, but they're called Twitter plugins. They are independently made scripts and apps that you can find on Google. If you just type in Twitter direct message auto response, you can set up auto responses to where even if someone opens your DM, they don't even have to type anything. They can just open your DM on your page and it will automatically send them a response that will say, um, you know, here's my top five most asked questions. You know, here's where you can send blah, 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 blah. It uh, gets all of that out of the way. Twitter is just a little bit more hidden with those kind of things. So you have to Google the plugins, but you can do so much of that kind of stuff on Twitter too. And it really, really will help out your vetting process. Can you please repeat the name of these? Just a Twitter plugin? Is that what I would Google, or is that what any is that what any of us would Google? Yeah, they're Twitter plugins. So you just kind of have to Google what you want it to do. So like, if you wanted a, a direct message autoresponder, you would just Google um, Twitter plugin DM autoresponder, 
Or oh, wow. if you want to find out who unfollows you or who um, deletes their account, there's an, a plugin called Unfollow Monkey. That's another script maker where they will send you a DM from your own account every time someone unfollows you or deletes their account or gets suspended. It's, there's a lot of tools out there for Twitter. They're just not advertised to us because they're made by private individual people instead of made by Twitter themselves. But there's a lot of stuff you can actually um, add on to your Twitter to make it a more seamless experience for you and the sub. That's fantastic. And Emeth, where do you spend, you know, if you were to to start, you know, again today, now, like, you know, fresh, where would you spend most of your time? Would you feel like you'd spend most of your time on Twitter, on Instagram, FetLife, fan sites? Do you think you'd do all of them? If you were to just start Clean Slate now, like if all your subs just uh, didn't exist, you know, how would you go about it now? I would open a Twitter. I would open a FetLife account and I would immediately get a website. Um, One thing that Mitch told me that was a huge uh, green flag from his perspective is I had a website. And not only did I have a website, I had like all of my verification on there, all the information about me, what it's like to serve me, what my requirements are. I just had a very legitimate looking presence. You can have 100 followers and you can still look very legit. Um, People get hung up on numbers a lot in social media. And let me tell you, I was I was doing just fine with 10 followers. And I'm doing just fine now with almost 3,000. I've just, I've just consistently always handled myself with professionalism. Um, and that makes a big difference. So if you're just starting out fresh, get a Twitter. Don't be a parrot. Don't copy everything you see on your timeline. Have a little bit of individualism. Um, sell yourself as a person, not as a product. And just get a website and be legit. That's I can't exp- um, stress enough how being legit will really, really help you, no matter what your following is. I love that. That's great, Emeth. Thank you so much uh, for being on here. And thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the uh, this episode of the podcast. Um, and I want to thank everyone so much, so much for listening and for staying and um, for, for the speakers, uh, for for speaking and contributing as well. Emeth, I mean, wow. Um, I'd love to have you again in the future, truly. Like, I could pick your brain all day. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm more than willing to be here anytime you would like to talk. I, I just want to be a resource. I, I believe in consensual, sane, and safe BDSM practices. I believe that everyone deserves a dynamic that fulfills them and is fruitful for them and is makes them happy everybody wants wants to be happy and deserves to be happy even if the sub is licking my shoes every single day as long as he's happy and i'm happy with it then we are moving in a good direction so please if anyone needs any resources don't don't be a stranger i'm more than happy to help anyone out I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emeth. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Mankey PP podcast, episode six. Uh, I'm Goddess Mari, and I'll be signing off now. Thank you all so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye.